Welcome to Tales from the Dance Floor, a podcast exploring the lives and times of people from all walks of life who followed their passions and made careers out of DJing, producing, parties, dance culture and the music industry. I'm Phil Morse from Digital DJ Tips. Let's get started. My guest today is someone who I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while because you're a friend of Digital DJ Tips. We've worked together before. John Double O Fleming, welcome. Hello, Phil. Good to uh, chat to you again. It's always a, a wonderful experience, our conversations. Oh, thank you. Well, you're a hard man to pin down. You're a busy, busy guy, which we're obviously going to have a lot of time to talk about here. But thanks. Thanks for making the time. No, so, John... Good time to be talking to you because you're always very entertaining when we talk about trance music, which is something that you've been associated with for kind of a quarter of a century since I was going out raving in my in my early 20s. You know, you were one of the names on the flyers and you kind of championed that sound back in the 90s, playing at God's Kitchen and Cream and Gatecrasher in the UK and all that. Uh, but you're still here and 30 years is a long time in any genre. Um, but... Um, Trans music especially has had its ups and downs. And the reason I said it's a good time to be talking to you is that you're at a pivotal time in your relationship with the genre and with, uh, and, and with uh, you know, how you, even, how you even label what you do. So tell us what's about to change. Tell us the big thing that's about to happen in, in your life around the trans genre. Well, you're, you're the first person. Everybody listening here is going to be having a little bit of an exclusive um, I'm going to change my radio show name. Global Trans Grooves has been running 16 years now. We're at the, I do it monthly, the 200th edition. And I've just succumbed to having to give in. But for many years, I've been trying to fight for the underground side of the trance. It's what, what I remember is trance all those years ago. What the, the, the ethos, the, the sounds, I'm not, I'm not talking trying to, bring back the classic sound because it's important for genres to evolve but for me it's evolved into a completely different musical place which doesn't represent the, the world that i'm in it's basically the underground world just seems to have completely disappeared i'm actually seeing trance being reinvented in different genre places definitely techno progressive house at the moment and by by mentioning the word trance is confusing different generations because the older generation my older fans, the old generation, really understand I'm the guy that plays underground trance, the real trance, as they call it. Um, but to new generation, they forever question me, saying, why not your radio show called uh, Global Trance Grooves when there's no trance in it? So I've got to accept I have to change this because there's this massive generational split. The, the, the younger generation, their education process of what is trance today, and it you, you've got to accept it's 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 mainstream big room kind of main stage big anthems big drops big massive euphoric melodies and trance used to be a whole bigger picture than that and um, so of course to them it's confusing them and me being in the underground world the most connected with what's happening tomorrow that i'm connecting with the next generation and um you know that that word trance one it's causing confusion and two it could be stopping people clicking and discovering me because they see the word trance and just presume I'm that that if they haven't heard of me mm. or it's a new discovery think I'm playing something completely different so I've got to change the name I've been fighting it for nearly a decade now inside and I've, I've, I've got to give up and I've given up the fight and I'm going to do it 
So talking of names, um, for some people who won't know your name and won't know where John Double O Fleming comes from, I mean, the the solution is right there staring you in the face, but different generations, you know, watch different films. Just explain to people where John Double O Fleming came from in the first place. Well, back in, you will remember this, Bill, back years ago when the, the electronic scene was being born, it didn't exist. You, you kind of had mainstream and you had an offshoot of disco, which was called New Energy, which has turned into house music. And that's the beginning journey of the electronic underground dancing. And then it turned into raves in the, the late 80s. And then in those rave days, the, the DJs had rave names. We all had to have rave, rave names, Pig Bag and Groove Rider, you know, all those, those great names of those days. So I had to think of a rave name. So my surname is Fleming. And uh, Ian Fleming created the James Bond's um, uh, books and character. So it was just a play on words with the double O Fleming. And that was my rave name. The John bit didn't exist. So over time, I tried to drop my rave name. So I put John at the front, still had the double O. And every time I, I talk about dropping the double O, there's a massive uproar from fans. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it just stays with me. It's, and I guess it's it, it's a memoir to me of, it takes me back of where I started with this. It's it's the rave days. It keeps me connected to why I'm doing this. Oh, it's, it's nice. It's nice It's nice that you've dropped the genre, but kept the double O. I like that. Yeah, so, the double O means a lot to me. It's like, it just reminds me, this is why I got into it. This is how I fell in love with it. And when a conversation comes up about the double O, it takes me way back to those days and keeps me in love with it today. And they were they were wonderful days. Yeah. Uh, so so Juf Radio is the new name. That's Radio for Global Chance Groove. So there you go. You heard it first on Tales from the Dance Floor. And it's but not even announced yet. No one knows. You, you, everyone's the first to know, but right here. We love it. So let's forget the present for now. Let's go back, way back, as I like to say. Because you didn't have, you had possibly the worst thing that you could imagine happened to you way, way back in your in your early 20s. Uh, and tell us, tell us the, the medical condition that kind of shapes what's happened since that you had to battle with. Well, like it's, it was, it was a really big thing to deal with. I was in my my teens, eighteen, uh, just going on nineteen, and um, I got uh, diagnosed with having lung cancer. It actually started in my stomach, and I, I, I was into kickboxing and I used to do lots of competitions. I just thought it was an injury and it would go away it was just the nature of the, the sport that I was in you're always having bumps and aches and pains just this kept going and going I put it off put it off and by the time they the, the doctor the literally the doctor when I had the appointment he, he prodded around and said you need to go into hospital tomorrow and I said no no I've got all this stuff to do or gigs to do and all this and no you need to go in tomorrow had the scan and then they were oper- they, I, they actually operated me on that, that following day as well the scan showed it, it was attacking my, my lung and it was actually spreading everywhere. It was in my bloodstream. And, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was just basically given a, a few months to go. That, that was it. It was like, that, that was, that was it. It was game over. Um, but I, I, I battled on, I, I, I got lucky with a new form of chemotherapy. I, I battled it for, for about a year and a half and uh, it took me a little while to recover from that. Um, but I always say things happen for a reason. And of course, I'm not thankful that I had cancer, but I'm thankful I went through that experience because it made me realise what I wanted to do with my life. And before that, yes, I was enjoying uh, a, a DJ career that was really growing and becoming very, very fruitful. But I still had a day job hanging on to just in case, 
you know, back in those days, DJing, you didn't earn much money at all. So the day job was kind of funding me buying records and funding me living. And um, coming through the other end of that, I, I really knuckled down and said, music is my passion. Music is my love. Uh, I know it, it sounds cliche, but it got me through those dark times of chemotherapy and, uh, you know, the, the days when I thought I wouldn't wake up. I, I was really, I had many of those nights of trying to go to sleep because I didn't think I was going to wake up. But music carried me on, you know, my friends bringing in cassette tapes for me of Braves and that, that it gave me a meaning to wake up, to get excited, to listen to those tapes of what, what other DJs were playing. So it gave me that motivation to like, this is what I want to do for a living. And it, it, the, the, the rocket and the fuel that it, it kicks me after that is why I'm here today. It's literally why I've got this professional career today. It shouldn't take something like that, but hopefully people will be listening and feel the energy and the motivation that you can make something happen because when when I recovered it was a double kick and I lost my career because the scene moved so quickly by then it went from illegal raids and big raids into clubs um, be, be, because the um, the government were cracking down on that outdoor party so it went into a completely different scene different sphere different promoters so I kind of had to start again I had to send tapes out and say hey look it was me you know, it meant nothing to them so I was really driven after that from now I've got to, one, I've got to catch up Two, I want to be a DJ. So that experience really, really motivated me. Still does today, to be honest. Well, that was going to be my next question because apart from just the, you know, the diabolical luck to at that age to have to deal with something like that, I was going to ask, does it fade? Does, do you fade back to kind of as if, as if it never happened, how much of it is still motivating you today in all honesty or, you know, if, if some, you know, it's a horrible thing to say, but if something else happened, you know, would you, would you think, oh, this is what it felt like last time? You know, has it stayed with you or has it kind of like... <laughs> it did happen again. <laughs> oh, blimey. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but luckily, my career was already established. In 2005, um, I'm mad into water sports, really mad into water sports. And I, I was wakeboarding off the back of the speedboat. We were seven miles out to sea. And um, the, the nature of the sport, you fall off, but you... You're floating, so you've got a buoyancy aid when you've got your feet strapped to a, a board. I fell off, and some idiot in a massive big cruise boat didn't see me, ran over me. <laughs> so my, my whole rib cage was completely smashed. My lung was lacerated. My shoulder, I nearly lost my arm. My arm got pulled out, and um, I was in hospital for about four months, I think. Well, I was five months recovering from that. So, again, the love of music got me through that. So... <laughs> John, you need to stop acting like James Bond, you know. It's not, it's not good for your long, longevity. No, I know. I need to drop that double O, don't I? It's getting me into trouble and danger. Listen, it's, uh, it's gone in directions that I really didn't think we would so early on. Let's, <laughs> let's rein it back a little bit. Um, you've obviously got nine lives, and it's good because you're delivering an awful lot of joy to a lot of people via the radio show, via your DJ for 30 years and so on. So I want to kind of rein it back to those kinds of things. Um, and I want to just go back to... The very, very beginnings, because you were from the, the south of England, living, living I, I'm going to guess, a reasonably standard life that we all lived back in the, in, in the 70s when we were growing up. What yeah. point did you, did you think, hang on a second, music, there's something here? Uh, what point did music kind of first come onto your radar? I, I got into music really early on. Um, I used to hang around with a good bunch of friends. Some were older than me when I was still at school. And, you know, when you've got that slightly older mate that's got a car and it allows you to to be mobile and go and head down the town and drive around and around in circles around McDonald's playing loud music. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I got into that because 
of a friend and he, he used to listen to music and I got into music. Both of us used to get excited finding music to play. And it was, it was extremely difficult back then because the scene as we know it didn't exist when I was growing up at, at school. The, the, the DJ phenomena just didn't exist. You, you used to have your local local radio star which would do an appearance at a, a mainstream club and that, that was as close as you got to a celebrity DJ but it's not what you think today, you know, like the underground stars of the world and you're on the big stage and you're playing to thousands, it just didn't exist so I didn't have that to look at I mean none of us that live locally had that to look at to decide this is what I want to do and um, I just got into I got obsessed with music collection because of this experience driving around town wanting to kind of show off that, that, that we've got some fascinating music. So I used to go, oh, I remember it now, I haven't thought about this for ages, but the, I'm from Worthing, West Sussex, and then we had, we got Little Hampton close to us. And there used to be a market every Sunday, and I used to buy the, the vinyl that was from, um, from jukeboxes. You know, it's been in there for a while, and they changed all the songs, and then the old stuff from a jukebox was sold on. So that's what I could afford. I couldn't afford to buy it new. So I was buying all this secondhand stuff from jukeboxes. And then as I got into it, I started to find what I was really, really into. And um, that was when I discovered going to Brighton. It was a few stores that had more upfront music. And it it took me a little time to find my path because my, my first music was, was playing um you know the scar scene, madness, the beat. Yeah, specials. I was into that originally, but that—that's what was was popular at the time. Then I discovered John Michel Jarre, Tangerine Dream, all this electronic music, and I was fascinated by that. It was, it was like transporting me to the future. It was just futuristic sounds, and they were embracing synthesizers, which the mainstream world wasn't at the time. It was seen as it was cheating music. You know, it never got radio for instrumental tracks or that kind of music. Never really got radio play at the time, but it had to be live. It's kind of like, you know, when you look in today's digital world, when something new comes out, laptop DJs, they're cheating until it suddenly becomes accepted. That's what it was back then. And then eventually, throughout the 80s, they really embraced, you know, Duran Duran and all those kind of mainstream bands. They were really embraced the, the synthesizer world and it grew and grew. And that, I think that helped the offshoot of the, the more specialist um, division. And this, it was called High Energy. I remember at the time, it's, when I when I reverse engineer that music from the, the late '80s, it reminds me of trance today. You know the way the, the, the it's sequenced, the melodies, the way it's four four beat. It's full of energy, rolling bass lines, and that scene was was massive. It, it was predominantly in the gay scene. So, Worthing being close to Brighton, I was so lucky having that on my doorstep. So you, you had the infrastructure around not only the gay scene with them pushing that that underground dance scene, but it's the record shops and everything around it. So I had these fantastic record shops. So I was music shopping lunchtime at, at school while everyone else was playing football, rugby, cricket, all the usual stuff. And I was just coming back with bags of records. And that's when the obsession really hit me. I just had all this massive vinyl collection. But still not at that point wanted to be a DJ. It didn't cross my mind until my headmaster asked me, to do an under-18s, they called it discos back then, a, a night for the, the school, they were going to do a one-off, and it was at a local club. And um, it, they just knew me as the geeky guy that was coming back of records, and my music teacher allowed me to go in at lunchtime to play my my vinyl, you know, the, the rest of the lunchtime. So that's how they knew me and said, do you want to do this? 
so I, I still didn't understand DJing then. So, yeah, I'll do that. It's just a bit of fun sharing my music. I didn't have to talk or anything, luckily. And it was a huge success. I remember doing that, and it was packed, and everyone was going mad. And we did it again and again and again. And then the, um, the owner of the club, he was so amazed with the music I was playing. So you're completely outdoing all my, um, my residents. Do you want to do this on the, the main Friday or Saturday night if we can get you permission from the council? So my headmaster was connected to the council. He helped with the permissions, and there I was, 16-year-old kid playing Fridays and Saturdays and had a residency all of a sudden. So wow. That, that's how it all happened. <laughs> that's incredible. So we kind of know what happened next. We kind of know that you had you had some considerable stuff to deal with and then got very serious about it. And then, of course, the timing was right because once you'd cracked the clubs, once you'd got to know the promoters and, and, and got your, your name back on the scene after, after the lung cancer, um, th- there was a massive explosion going on. And especially in the trance scene, you know, as the 80s, they had the kind of first, the first house wave and then trance kicked in in the mid-90s, I mean, not the 80s. Uh, and then you were kind of in the right place at the right time there, weren't you? Because you'd had time to, to get to know everyone and to build your career. And it really took off for you. Explain what happened. Explain some of the highs of that time towards the, the mid to, to, to late 90s. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, was, it was great riding that, that, you know, you've obviously backed the right horse. And it, it's not as easy as that, even today. No one can foresee in the future what, what genre fads are going to last, what new ones are going to come. And I still call it now, it's my DJ gut instinct leads me the way, I don't know, something just tells me that's, that's, that's not going to last long. I just know this is going to go in that direction. This is, oh, yeah, this comes along. No, that, that ain't going to last long. And I just know where, where it's going to go. Or what I'm doing now is creating something that doesn't exist. And, you know, you become a leader of something that's, that's what people know me for now. So I, I saw as, as the trance wave was growing and growing, I really foresaw by the late, the late 90s, um, those great days of Gay Crasher, Goods Kitchen, all those massive trance um, shows. I knew it wasn't going to last. Long. I knew it was going to um, get manipulated by the corporates. And it did happen. So by, by the time of the late 90s and going into the early um uh, 2000s I was already going somewhere else and it it makes no sense to, especially the people around me this is where you get good managers bad managers they're either in sync with you and your, your team you're in sync with you or they don't get you, you keep trying to push in the wrong direction but at the time that that team would say no no you need to carry on riding this way but this is huge what, why are you going somewhere else and I'm glad I did I, I headed back to my underground roots the psychedelic scene was reinventing itself and I was heading down that direction and then more as we went on later 2000 more techie direction and trance it's just it's got smaller and smaller and smaller and I completely got it right I I, I just I predicted what was going to happen it's just all going to fall apart there's there's only so long you can listen to the same thing and if the format's staying the same and people are not changing and not pushing it forward you know it's just going to get tired and old and that's kind of what I feel it is even doing today it's it's the same format as it was 20 years ago and I think that's why it's becoming a a tired genre but it's I mean we've got onto something which I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go with because it's such an interesting conversation around this whole thing of genres sounding tired and uh, or getting rebirths if you look at let's say mainstream house music mainstream vocal house music it hasn't evolved either it's continued in its same vein 
the same synth noises and the same arrangements and the same kind of vocals and stuff. And yet, it's it's not got the bad press, if you like, that the the, the trance music's got. Why is that? Why is trance music almost the most derided genre? And let's face it, there's not an awful lot massively new in mainstream commercial um, electronic music. It hasn't been for a long time. Why? Why does trance get such a bad press? It's really simple to answer. It's really simple because house, house today, is stale, loyal, and true to the original ethos of house music, and it's just brought up to date with, of course, modern production mm-hmm. techniques and technology around. It's a cleaner version. It's you've got a better songwriters. But you, you've got thousands more people have got access to studios. You know, you've got more people who can can get involved in house music where before you had to hire a studio it was expensive and they're, they're staying true to the to the ethos of house music where trance that hasn't happened it's just got hijacked and taken in the mainstream direction by some people the the edm explosion i i, I point a big finger at, at, at that because trance was so popular because it had so many strings to it and it's important for an underground scene which pushes something forward when something's new, innovative, embracing new sounds. That's what trance did in the in the 90s. That's why everybody everybody wanted to be a part of it. It was like stepping into the future of this music you've never heard before. And that's what the underground's all about. But then the through the, the I don't know when it started actually the early 2000s definitely as we went on to the, the 2000s the EDM explosion really started happening. The, the mainstream world, the, the corporate companies, the, the, um, the, the, the commercial labels, they suddenly had a wake-up call because independent, small independent labels from the trans world were getting into the top 40 charts and they didn't have the full money and the backing and what these commercial corporates had. You know, what on earth is going on? They, they've infiltrated this world that we own Suddenly they didn't own it. So they're like, okay, if we don't own it, we will own it. So they started coming into the trance world. Putting, and when they come into it, there's big money involved. And then it happened in, in, the, in the, the club scene as well, and especially the festival scene where trance used to be on the main stages. But suddenly this EDM sound for the full mainstream world become the main stage. Trance became the second stage. Then it became the third. And like where it is now, it's like fourth or fifth. And of course, you've got big stars, which you've got to be on the main stage. That's where your big money is. If you if you really love the the, the genre, you're quite happy to play in a, on the fifth stage and take a, a pay cut. But if you're not that dedicated to it and you just want your money, you, you still want that main that that main stage. So they they kind of they took a punt on going over there. Think, okay, we've really got to make this happen. But they 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 were hanging on to the genre at the same time, but pulling it in a direction where it, it shouldn't have gone. And they, they kind of dragged it along with them. And then many of them failed. Many of them tried to, to, to become EDM stars. It completely failed. So they come back to trance, but they didn't change their sound. So trance has been really hijacked and derailed. So it's, it's nothing. It's a, it's a shadow of its former self, of, of, of what it was through the 90s. Those glory days don't exist. Actually, they do exist. And they're in progressive house now. It's just a slightly slower version of it. It's a, it's a mm. running joke between the progressive worlds. They're saying it's... it's it's that classic trance sound, slow down. Yeah. And it's because that's the underground world. That's where the next generation, they're making the same decisions as what I made when I was younger. Okay, I want to get into clubland. You go into mainstream world or you go into the underground world. 
And there's two completely different reasons why you go to that. So the next generation now are looking at the what, what's out there. You look at trans, that's mainstream. I don't like that. I, I, I look at progressive house to techno. Yeah, that's underground. So they're taking that direction. If I was John Fleming, the, the 19-year-old kid today, I, I'd go to progressive house and techno because I've got nothing in common with with, with trance. And that, that's what's gone wrong with trance today. Like techno, techno stayed the same. Drum and bass, arguably, stayed the same. All these genres have stayed loyal apart from trance. And I think that's why it causes so many arguments, so much controversy still today because you've got so many people saying, well, that, you know, trance wasn't about this. But don't confuse it with psytrance. Psychedelic trance is a completely different world. They share the same name, but what I like about the, the psychedelic world, the psytrance scene, is they always rebel. When, when commercialism starts to infiltrate, they just rebel and go underground. It's, you know, they, they go really raw and harder. They just, it, they just rebel in a way that it just pushes away the commercialism. So, you, you know, they, that, that scene will always stay resilient. Actually, they, they had a learning curve in the 90s. It used to be called Go With Trance. And it became commercial and mainstream. You know, um, a lot, lot of the mainstream guys were, were, were infiltrating the, the Goa trance scene. So they, they, they took <laughs> massive, um, uh, they took the, the whole job into their hands and completely just changed the name. That was the way they rebelled. It was not only the music, it went dark, twisted, hard, but they, they recalled it psychedelic trance just to move away from Goa trance. But this time, it's actually, there's a rebellion going on at the moment. And they're just making music as hard as nails. That's the way of rebelling. It's just like, Two fingers up. <laughs> You're not coming into our, our world. But trance hasn't done that. I've, I've tried to play my part. On that. I got frustrated. I got angry. I've done blogs that I shouldn't have in the past. And now I know I can't change it. I can't change it single-handedly. And there's many of us from the, the, the underground trance world. We just jump ship now. Like I'm not not jumping ship because I always will be a part of the trance world. But I, I, I just call myself the juice sound. Or the fans call it the juice sound. It's hypnotic. It's... It, it's all the feelings of trance, but it's it's just a juve sound. That's the easiest way I can explain it. I mean, the passion, the passion with which you you entered that diatribe then is kind of like singular. And I, I know you say you can't change it yourself, and and so on. But it it's surely due. It's surely the one genre that's due some kind of comeback because everything else is it's kind of we had a rebirth and whether it's called that or not i mean you've got two labels haven't you haven't you two 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 kind of hubs to your juif label um aura which is the what the sound you just described the kind of slower more progressive but trance oriented and then the side trance side the mantra side your your passion around this music is very restless isn't it it's it's not settled (laughs) you're kind of there's something very futuristic, something looking for them, very looking forward about the way you approach it all. Yeah, no, I think it's important. There's a third label as well as Main Juve. People make the same mistake as you. So you've got the Main Juve, which just does kind of mirrors what I do, and then you've got the deeper side and the harder side. Got you. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I, I, I know where I want to be musically. I know, I know where things should go, and it doesn't exist. It's really hard trying to explain to everyone around me, and I, Luckily, I've got, with the label, I've got people, producers, even people outside the label that trust me, and I set them challenges. It's like me as a DJ, if I'm shopping in Beatport or looking around, it's like I've got this void missing. It's like instead of just sitting waiting for it, I even make it myself. I, well, actually, it's a combination of me making it myself 
and begging people, producers, existing producers around me to make stuff. And it's not as easy as to say, can you make this for me, please? Because they don't know what I mean. <laughs> I'm, mm. I'm kind of explaining that something that doesn't exist. So it's a lot of hard work of going back and forth, back and forth. I was just going on today, actually, just, can you tweak this? Can you tweak that? And I'm playing the melodies, add this kind of melody to it. And then they get there. They're super exa- excited because it's, it's created something fresh. And I'm excited because suddenly this void is filled. But then, unbeknown to me, I'm people keep saying I'm too humble, but I'm actually creating something new. I'm creating a new scene. And that's that's kind of what I've played my part in doing all these years. Like the psychedelic scene at the beginning, I played my, my part in creating a certain sound to it. But I've just done this all my career. I'm fortunate I can reach out to um, producers and they, they trust me. So, okay, I'll trust you. And uh, some argument punch back and I say, no, do it. Trust me. And at the end of it, like, wow, this, I had fun doing that. Let's do another one. So you've managed to sustain. I mean, you you did you were the, you were there for the big initial explosion of trance in the nineties when, you know, you just had to turn up and you you basically uh, you could get success. I mean, I know I'm, I'm being a bit flippant, but um, but since then you've you've managed to remain both full time, in demand and underground, which can't have been easy. What are some of the the kind of the kind of bumps along the road that you've you've felt have you ever thought you know no one's going to want want what i do anymore i might have to give this up at some point have there ever been lows that have got that low yeah i i, I think the trans genre has been the most challenging because of what's gone on how it's derailed you know like we spoke earlier about the other genres which has stayed true um but watching watching it go in a completely different direction watching my world or the world's it wasn't just me that moved away from it. It was all the pioneers that used to dip into the trance world. Um, there's so many big names. Sasha Digweed all used to dip their, their toe in, in, mm. into it. Um, and just watching them slowly go and go and go. And it's just watching it become mainstream music. It broke my heart because I dedicated so much into, into investing into this scene. Lauren Garnier was another one. He was the one that... He, arguably, he's the one that created trance from the beginning. I remember he was doing this melodic, hypnotic version of techno, and it was like what became trance in the end. And just watching everyone distance themselves, just watching everyone move away from it, and seeing that happen, seeing producers that I know and love, all of us getting confused. A lot of us went in a dark place. They still are today, and I have to talk to them and, and convince them to or to snap them out of why they're in this dark place. And I went in that dark place. It's like, it, it just ripped me apart. They're like, you know, it, not only the music, but this, this is my world. It was my friends. It's my, it's my scene. And then turning up at a club when the, 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 the underground gentleman mentality, where we all work together, we all discuss together of, how this evening should work. We, we program the evening together. Who should play where? Who should play for, for how long? The gentleman handover. Okay, I'll tail off for you. We mix in and out of each other. Then it just became a pop concert for each DJ in the trance world. That's what it was like. It was like, see who can blast out as many anthems as they can in an hour. When I don't play like that, there was dealing with that. So then you've just got someone punching their chest, puffing out, I'm going to be man of the match and playing the biggest killer anthem and then just stopping it. And then I play underground music. It's like I don't play anything of what what you've just done. So the the night would seem to go flat because all they cared about was being man of the match and walking away. So there's no 
continuity, no consistency within these nights. And it just got worse and worse and worse. It, especially worse if you're traveling halfway around the world and that's just happened to you on a weekend tour. And you, mm. You're on the plane, you're exhausted, you're dealing with jet lag, you're on the flight home, you're just questioning, why did I go out there? Why, why am I doing this? And, you know, the trans world, it, everyone rebelled and went into this kind of minimal techno world this, that I didn't like, so I had nowhere else to go. So that, that is a really dark point for me. A couple of times when it's happened to sport, it's just pointless me doing this. What's the point of going out every weekend to an airport and killing myself, coming back tired, you know, record shopping, finding all those tracks, like you, you just heard, speaking to all those producers, get them to make music. When I can't play them or when I do play them, no, one's, no one understands it. There was literally, there, there wasn't a place for me to play this. So that, that was my dark time. And I think it's evidence in historical searches. I've left them up there because it, I mean, it's part of history that I did, I did some ranting. Um, uh, but, I, 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 you know, social media was newish at that point. And it, it became my friend and an outlet just to, just to blow it, just let it all out. And I wasn't nasty to any individuals. I just ranted. And it was good. That ranting, yes, it caused it like poking a beehive of activity, but it made me discover that there was other people feeling like me and I wasn't alone. And so it, it, it was it was a security. And that's why I, I did it a little bit more than I should have. It was just probably a cry for help. Mm. And that- was, so, was it a rebirth? Was social media kind of like a rebirth of the underground for you? Because all of a sudden it's possible to find people who feel the same, to book gigs that people are going to understand you when you turn up and play at them. Was social media in a way, the internet, the rise of the internet, kind of like a lifeline? Yeah, it, it was. It, it was a double-edged sword, the internet, because you got attacked, you got trolled, you had to deal with all that lot. And if, lucky I'm strong... And I can switch off to that, but there was a lot of that going on. And it's just filtering out the good from this. And then there was, there was promoters. There was the, the, there was the infrastructure that I needed were seeing this as well. So they came to me and said, John, I, I feel, I'm feeling the same pain as what you're feeling. So I discovered not that I was doing that on purpose. This was after that because I stopped doing it because I think I think with social media, you've got to get in your stride. You've got to learn. It was new for a lot of people, and you just kind of learn as you go along. Okay, well, how do I use this new tool that's around? And I suddenly discovered my my stride, and I stopped doing all that lot. But then I connected with many people feeling the same pain. So it helped me. It helped me in that side where, like, listen, we promote saying, listen, we used to do mainstream gigs. We're not happy. We want to carry on with the underground who else is in the same void or feeling the same pain as you? So we put lineups together and just put a, a, a cracking party on. And it reminded me of those underground days when I wanted to play underground parties at the very beginning and they didn't exist. I put them on myself and it got me back into that, that way of thinking. And I still do that today, actually, you know, when something doesn't exist, like, okay, let's, let's get to work and let's see who can put a party on for us. We either do it ourselves or we, we work with someone so that it, it was that activity, us, like, okay, let's create something for us. It's that underground movement. It's like, okay, it is what it is. Let's do something for us. And, you know, people are excited and share the same feelings. It's a winner. And it's always proved to be a winner. They've always been successful these nights. Well, it's great to hear that you've kind of found that balance and, and clearly not compromising on what you believe in your music, uh, which we're going to find out about soon enough. Because you're, I mean, you're on, what is it, the sixth or seventh artist album in the last 10, 15 years? It's oh, coming out next year. You just put me on a spot and I can't remember how many have done. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I haven't done one for a, li- a little while. And um, it's, 
it's literally me finding myself again. It's one of those points that I've just literally covered a minute ago of just navigating. I'm trying to navigate where I'm, I'm going to be. And when that happens, I get massive inspiration in the studio. And that's what's happened. It's like we're, we're really, the last couple of years have been amazing for me, DJing wise, you know, pushing this, this, hitting this new scene, this new sound. So organically, you get the itch and you get excitement to, to get all these ideas that you save up in your head to get them out in the studio. So I'm right in the middle of writing an album now and hopefully it'll, it'll be released in um, probably March, I think. In the previous album, I did some experimental kind of ambient stuff and piano stuff, but this is a full full dance track or orientated for the underground dance floors. It's no holding back. It's just aimed squarely for underground dance floors. Brilliant. So that's coming out in March. So there's something for your fans there. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was something that I've always just had this lovely image of you kind of chugging around Europe, playing these these gigs where everyone gets your music and it's kind of on your terms in your camper van. Tell us about the, <laughs> t- tell us about the camper van. You know about the camper van because we spoke many times when I've been in it. <laughs> <laughs> we have indeed. Yeah, we have. The, the Wi-Fi is a bit dodgy. I'm in the van. I'm in the yeah, van. I know the conversation. <laughs> Well, um, I was a surfer many, many years ago, um, jet skiing, anything to do with water sports. And to um, where I live in Sussex, the waves are not very good. So we had to head down to Cornwall to get the best waves. And you spend a weekend down there, and the best way to catch the best waves is to sleep on the beach. So I had a camper van from back those days. You know, you're, you're sleeping with the tides. You're getting up at obscure hours in the morning just to catch some good waves. So I've always been into camper vans even though they were a little bit raw back then so with all this traveling like you do um forever on flights and you know flights drive you mad in the end so then i thought it would be fun to, to to get another camper van but of course it's a, it's a lot posher these days so it's in between it's not motorhome and it's in between a camper van and motorhome so it's a van based one but it's got all the quidgy comforts of hot, hot and cold water water tanks heating and a little kitchen bed in the back and now I take it to festivals, you know, because generally festivals are in the middle of a field. There's, there's not a great, there's not many great hotels around the festival site. This includes around Europe. You know, that's the nature of festivals or even yeah. you're at a hotel at an airport. So, you know, you're, you're going in and out all the time and you have to wait for transport. It's just a nuisance. So I just rock up on site, let the promoter know I'm coming. He gets me a little special area to, to camp out and it's home from home. I've got all my creature comforts. I've got my fridge full of all my, my lovely food and, I can, everyone's getting dusty or muddy or sweaty or whatever's going on. And I just go to my camper and have a lovely warm shower and tuck myself up in bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, I've, I've been everywhere in it. Not only the UK, I've been Portugal, Italy, Slovakia, um, Hungary. Oh, God knows. Just all, all around Europe. been everywhere. I really enjoy it. So it's just, um, you, you've done nothing to dispel the, uh, the, the image I always carry around of you. So thank you for reinforcing it. Uh, <laughs> John, who puts up with you? Are you have you found that DJing and and relationships and settling down and stuff are totally exclusive, or have you managed to find a way of making that thing work throughout your career? You know what? It's it's a common thing, especially I, I see it a lot with DJs my my age that it's 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 challenging for your partner. So I no longer have a partner, but I got a best friend from it. But I understand when we were together for a very long time and. Um, as I get older and they get older at the beginning they like going clubbing but of course as you get older you don't go out clubbing so much so you're still living 
the life of, as a younger person. Plus, um, you're traveling a lot more. In, in the early days, you, you, you'd finish your weekend, you'd be home Sunday, but you're not. You're away a lot, and it's a common, it's a common thing. With so many colleagues have, have found it really difficult to, to hold down relationships, and I mean, you see that as you get you get older. So, um, no, I'm I'm. I'm free and single at the moment, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm happy because I think I'm married to my job. It's very, it's, I, I feel sorry for, you know, partners that have to deal with this. You know, if you, your circle of friends, it's every weekend. People work nine to five and every weekend, that's you, that's you get together time, the barbecues, the weddings, all those things. And they're, they're always going alone because the partner's working. I'm a DJ, mm. I work every weekend. So it is challenging for, 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 the partner, the other person involved in the relationship, I, I, I completely get how difficult it is. Where do you find the strength to kind of keep yourself happy and balanced, if you like? And on, you know, because that is a partner for a lot of people, isn't it? A lot of people give up the thing that you've kept hold of in order to get that, in order to get that security and to get that comfort in their life. You know, where? How do you? How do you find that? What do you do to, to keep yourself, in, in my words, just kind of on the straight and narrow in your head mentally? I, I think you, you become so busy, you don't have time to think about it because you have you, you have short weeks. I mean, you're. I'm either depending if I'm if I'm going heading east, you'll be leaving Thursday, or you'll be leaving definitely leaving Friday for your mm. weekend of gigs, and then you're back on Monday. So that leaves you Tuesday, Wednesday. Maybe lucky if you get Thursday, so you've got a two or three day week to do everything I need to be as a DJ. I need to find my music. I need to go for my promos. I need to do all the office stuff. I need to uh, make music. I need to do my radio show. All all the stuff that goes with your career. And those three days go very very quickly. So you're just in this whirlwind cycle of week to week to week to week. And I right now I can't understand and get my head around how we're talking about bookings through next year. It's like, I oh, know we've got all this year to go yet. It's like, no, we haven't. It's nearly run out. It's, it's, I, I think that's what, that, that's what distracts you. Um, and I, I know some colleagues that they're not so fortunate as me. They're not so busy and they, they have too much time to think about it. And then you see them go in a bit of a, da- a down sad place. Mm. So hopefully that won't, won't happen to me. And um, I, I think it's, I just joked about it a minute ago, married to your work, but I don't feel like it's work. I love it. I I just love opening up a synthesizer. I love going through promos. It doesn't feel like work. I'm mm. thoroughly enjoying myself every minute of the day. So I'm happy. I'm just really, really happy. Everything I'm doing and, you know, I'm, every weekend I'm, it's a new adventure. I meet new people, meet new friends and, you know, you're heading somewhere new. You're going to cities that you know many people. You go to a new city, you're having a new experience, an old experience. It, it, it's great. It, every week is an adventure. So I, I'm, I'm just happy. This is what I want to do. And I'm super, super happy when it stops. That's probably when I'll, I'll have those times of thinking about it. Well, that was going to be my, my kind of last question to you. Do you, can you ever see it stopping? Can you see yourself still DJing at 70 or, you know, will you be kind of an executive producer helping people to have the, the life you've had? How do you see, how do you see the, the next stage of your life right. panning out? I took a punt years ago because my generation were at the forefront of the electronic scene that didn't exist. So honestly, all of us were saying, I would be lucky if we're still doing this when we're 30. Yeah. And um, so I, I started doing film scores, TV scores, things like that. And it's, 
it's worked out really well for me. I'm doing extremely well of that. But that was what was going to happen. I, I invested so much into that. But now I'm trying to balance both because my career didn't end and it's still here. So now it's, I'm, I'm fighting for time, trying to balance a scoring career, uh, a, a DJ career, and all the other stuff that goes with it. And to, to go back to that question, no, I, 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 I'm don't think I, I want to or work forever see me giving up DJ any day soon. I really don't. I think I've been through those bumps and those dark times. I think, I think when I really hit one really hard and I, I, something will tell me that that's the time to end. And then if, if it does end, I will, I thoroughly enjoy writing those, those scores. I really yeah. enjoy it. I will just do that until I'm deaf. <laughs> well very smart guy john you, your story is singular in in its ups and downs and it's a, been an absolute inspiration to talk to you your enthusiasm shines through with every word um from from all of us here uh, we wish you the best and long may you continue the dj good luck with the album and please do come back and, and tell us some more sometime soon oh definitely please get me on again it's always a, a joy to, <laughs> to chat to you all thank you for being our latest guest here on tales from the dance floor